Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents and carers. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Today, we're revisiting one of our favourite interviews from the archive. I hope you enjoy it. When it comes to what our kids watch on TV, most parents feel pretty safe with ABC for Kids. But how much do you know about quality programming for children? Dr. Joanne Orlando is an expert in the digital world and children. She also used to write for Play School on the ABC, the pinnacle of television for children. She's here to run us through how you can tell good TV for kids from bad. Hi, Jo. Welcome. Hello. So many parents probably feel conflicted about letting their children even watch TV. But I would say even though they're conflicted, most of us let our kids do it. Um, what's your take on whether TV itself is good or bad for kids? We have a lot of chat about screen time, um, but TV seems to be something different. It's a little bit more static. It's a little bit more passive watching. How do you feel about TV? Yeah, that's right. And there's more TV content than ever around for children. Uh, so we've got the normal free-to-air TV. We've got stream TV like Netflix and Stan. And then, of course, we kind of have TV on YouTube as well where kids can just watch video after video. So so much content can be watched on sort of the traditional TV screen, you know, on the iPad, on your phone. It's just like never-ending. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when mine was small that um, I felt comfortable leaving them in front of ABC for Kids but then they expanded their taste and saw somebody watching YouTube. And now I feel like I can't leave the room when the TV's on because I just don't know where they'll end up. Is that something you find lots of parents worry about? They do. They're really worried about, one, the amount of kind of advertising that we see between the shows. So a lot of you know junk food, toys and things on the free-to-air, yeah. as well as the online as well. So I'm not not letting them off the hook. Um, yeah, so parents are really worried about that. And I think um, just because something's on TV doesn't necessarily mean it's good quality either. So underlying, you know, kids' TV programs and the development of them, it might be the toy company that's actually developed that particular animation or series for kids. So what they're very subtly trying to do is also sell their products as part of that show. And it's very hidden, very subtle. So your child mightn't really realise, and even you mightn't really realise unless you're actually sitting down and watching the whole program. So I think we do, we, there's heaps of great quality TV. So Play School still on. And as you said, I, I used to write that. And that is a very good quality, wholesome kind of show. And there's others as well. Um, but just because something is made for younger children and just because it's labelled as educational doesn't necessarily mean it's good. Tell me, I mean, we'll talk about what actually makes good quality TV, but I know that we have regulations in Australia in terms of what's produced here and put on our television screens. Um, but then I'm assuming that if it's on a streaming channel or obviously on YouTube, there are no guarantees that those kind of parameters are in place with that content. That's right. It, it's, a, it's a game changer. So we know on Australian channels they do have the regulations, but mostly kids aren't going to 
the channels and, and watching it on TV. They might be watching it on the app or something like that, but it's it's quite different now. So no, there's no regulations for the streamed content and certainly none for YouTube. So it's a no, and that's what kids are mostly watching. Yeah. Well, let's live in the fantasy world where they're still watching um, something on Australian terrestrial TV. What are the sorts of parameters that go into making good quality content for kids? And if you if you want to just talk about play school as, you know, the kind of um, example that people would ideally follow, what goes into making it appropriate good quality for children? Yeah, um, I'll talk a little bit about play school because a lot of people might know actually how it's produced. So what I did on there, I was a writer, but I was also the early childhood education advisor. So, you know, I know about education. So I would be able to advise on whether something that, you know, the presenters were doing or the toys were doing was actually educational. So, you know, they can do things, but it doesn't mean that kids are going to learn from it. You know, there's a lot of lot of stuff in there that goes into making it actually educational and quality. So I would be an advisor and writing, I would also, you know, have the knowledge. But a lot of the majority of shows for young children don't have an educational advisor. And you can see if they're classing themselves as educational, then where is that knowledge come from? Because it's got to be more than entertainment. You know, we can do the entertainment. You don't need the educators there. Um, so what is good quality education? Well, you know, it's more than having, you know, some maths things or some numbers or alphabet in there. It's a lot more than that. So it's uh, sort of blending it so the kids can learn things like, you know, literacy and numeracy, but then they learn things like, you know, um, how to treat other people well or how to, um, you know, understand their world and investigate their world. You know, they're the sorts of things that you'd find in a good quality educational program. For and being curious. So yeah. if you wanted to be really... Um thorough about it, you would look at the credits and see whether there's an early childhood educator that's on board with a project? I think so. If they're classing themselves as an educational program, then there should be someone like that in the credits. And of course, there are the things that we worry about that are actually harmful for children. So the opposite side of that, which is, I guess, when we move into the areas of YouTube, I think with Netflix, at least, you can have a look and see what it's rated. Um, Let's talk about ratings for a minute because not all G-rated things are created equal, are they? Because I, I sometimes look at something that's G or even PG as my children get older and I think, God, how is that appropriate for children? You know, there'd be violence in it or something that I think, wow, that is that seems a bit too adult for a child to watch. Would your advice be that if um, you're going onto streaming devices or onto YouTube that you always watch something before you let your kids watch it? I think so. If it's G, then it's okay. But there's ve- actually very little G around if you look at it. Most of it, uh, the programming for younger children is actually PG. So if you look at PG, and you know this will be the majority of what kids are, are looking at, there, there's allowances for sexual innuendos in there. Um, there may be some violence in there, not graphic violence, but still might be violence. But I find a lot kind of sort of sexual innuendos and jokes and that kind of thing. Not explicit, but they're tucked away in there. So that's the kind of thing you're going to see in PG. So if you're going to allow your child to watch a PG, just, yeah, watch the trailer or 
watch a bit of it and you'll see often they pitch it at two levels. They pitch it at the child level, but they pitch it at the adult level. So they're trying to get as big an audience as they possibly can, you know, um, but that's how it works. So it is a good mm. idea to, to just check out that trailer or watch maybe 10, 15 minutes of the show, um, get a sense of it. So my problem is YouTube. Because there was a time, the first time we spoke to you, we had you on the show probably four years ago when my son was six months old. (laughs) So YouTube was a very distant concern of mine. It wasn't even a concern because I couldn't in my mind understand how small children start watching YouTube because I was like, they don't know the internet, they don't use the internet, blah, 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 blah. And then fast forward uh, probably three years even and they'd been playing with the iPad at their um, at our, their grandparents' place and watching something and they started watching unboxing videos and then they found these um, these people who make a living out of incredibly bad TV. Like they've, they've invented a storyline and there's hackers and they're making slime and they're obviously they have a audience that are younger children. You can see that in the content they're making. But then I look at it and I go, there's no guarantee that you're not just going to throw in something completely inappropriate at any moment. It's like the Wild West. Like how do children, is that the typical route that they pick up a tablet and find their way to YouTube? I just couldn't conceive in my head that my kids would get there. Yeah, I know. It is like the Wild West. I completely agree with you. I could talk for about six hours about this. Um, (laughs) Let let me pick one. Okay, so in terms of younger children, so two, three, four-year-olds, probably up to about eight, the the most watched content on YouTube are what they call unboxing videos. So, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's where there's someone, could be two hands, could be a person, probably also the two creepy hands, uh, the two hands, and they're just taking a toy out of the box very deliberately, showing us every aspect of the toy, and then they might play with it, you know. So really, is it an ad or what is it? Um, And it actually, the biggest, the most watched YouTuber in the whole world consistently month after month is... uh, just one of those. He's he's six. He's Ryan's toy review. If you've ever come across it, anyone who's got younger kids have probably come across it. And he does just that. He se- it seems to be Christmas every day at his house, and he's always got toys he's un- unpackaging and and playing with. And that's the video. That's the unboxing video. And that is baffling for parents. I think baffling to think really you're watching that again. And I know that my kids have watched that kind of um, YouTube video. And I, surprisingly enough, I very rarely do they come back to me and say, I want that toy. So what's it about for them? I mean, the people who are um, giving the product to the child to unwrap obviously want people to buy it. But my children aren't necessarily saying, I want that. They're just... They're just wanting to watch them unbox and unbox and unbox. Yeah, and it's amazing, you know, if you put yourself inside the the brain of a young kid, this is what they see. You know, those times where they get a toy, present, uh, maybe Christmas, maybe their birthday, maybe a special occasion, they get a toy, you know, the absolute excitement of unwrapping a toy. When they watch it, that's what they're reliving, that absolute excitement. They can relate to it. It's a really happy memory that they're tapping into and when they watch it over and over again so they know what's in the box okay so when they watch it over and over again they're pretty confident it gives them a great sense of 
I know exactly what's in that box. So it really makes them want to watch it because they have that kind of power over it. They know what's going to happen. And that's why kids love to watch any lots of things over and over or, or read a story over and over because they know what's going to happen. So they're feeling in a good place, you know, they're pretty confident. Is there anything wrong with it? Like is it part of me worries that, Oh, my, my children just have this in, insatiable appetite for presents and I'm, they don't, that insatiable appetite is not answered, but it's like just presents all the time. We want presents. And I wonder how much of that is influenced by watching videos like that and how much is just their innate childhood wanting lots of things. I, uh, well, I, I don't know, of course. Because <laughs> you don't but know my kids. I would suggest um, that the messaging from the unboxing videos would be pretty strong. making a difference there mm. for them. You know, this kid Ryan's getting a few presents every day. <laughs> Why can't they? Um, but I think the... Um, the thing that concerns me about those kind of unboxing videos is, sure, it's some, it's presented as a program, but is it actually just one long ad or one ad after another ad? So often they're not shown as sponsored, often they're not shown as ads. It's not obvious that they are, but um, their purpose is advertising. So that that sort of mixed, blurred messages Um I think it's good for parents to talk about that kind of thing. If your kids are watching these kinds of videos, you know, you don't, don't necessarily want to, put, want to put down the video, but what you just want to do is to raise the question, you know, I wonder why he's getting all those presents all the time. Do you think maybe they want you to buy those presents? You know, that kind of conversation. You're not really having an in-depth conversation. You're just starting to get your child to think and to be able to start to differentiate, well, this is an ad that I'm watching and this is, you know, not an ad that I'm watching. That's really important today because when they're on streamed content or on YouTube or online, you know, that uh, blurring of advertising and, and real stuff that you can trust, real information is getting harder and harder to work out. So it's really about teaching the media literacy. Yeah. Because I only learnt media literacy at university, <laughs> you know, you, hopefully I had a brain about me before then, but is that what you're saying, that we should start sort of thinking about that for our children because they're going to be entering into a world with so much more stuff in the media than we ever had? Yeah, they're in that world. I think I see it now as a, a basic skill, learn your alphabet, learn your numbers, and learn how to tell what you're actually engaging with online, what kind of, you know, images or what kind, what's the purpose of someone putting that up online? So there's unboxing videos. What's the purpose of that? Yeah, they want to get more likes, so they get sponsorship, you know, that kind of thing. It's really important for kids to learn that. And because they're on watching this kind of content so young, you really have to start those that education young, you can't wait till they're 15 because they've had a whole lot of content by then. It, it needs to just start with really simple conversations early up. So, of course, there are parents who are quite strict with screens um, and television and what their children can and can't watch. In your experience, seeing the rate that things have changed in terms of how we consume media, do you think that it's possible to keep your child um, kind of protected from the online world for a while or forever, if that's your choice? Or do you see it as something that's kind of inevitable that we need to accept? Look, at some point, your child will be watching YouTube, even if right now the only thing you let them watch is ABC for Kids Play School. Yeah, I think it's much easier when they're very young. You can really control their content. 
But, um, you know, a, a child who is around 10, maybe, it's going to be pretty tricky because a whole, whole lot of things come into play there. Uh, they're going online all the time, you know, looking up stuff for homework or projects. So there's that side. Um, playground talk. You know, a lot of it is around what kids watch and, and their online world because it's so much part of childhood. So if your child isn't doing anything online like that, they're not going to be able to take part in those conversations. So I'm not saying, you know, it's not a don't let them do anything that they want online. But, you know, that is a consideration, I think, if you're not allowing them to see online content, then that might be the situation for them at school. But I think certainly, you know, into their teenage years, you don't want your 13-year-old who's never been online to start going on social media and really engaging in the online world as a teenager without any education or experiences or you being with them, you know, online in the lead up to that time. They need that kind of, it's not preparatory education because they're in it, but they need you know, the continuous, uh, more complex messaging and education over time. So by the time they are about 13 or 14, they're pretty good. They understand the dangers online. They understand content and what's advertising and who's trying to get their money and that kind of thing. It is quite complex. So they do. we do need quite a, a long lead in education to it. That's good. You, I'm just listening to you going, okay, mental note. <laughs> Talk to children about YouTube videos. Let me write that down for you, Siobhan. <laughs> it's very easy for us as parents, I think, because uh, most of us have our childhoods had nothing to do with the internet. And so we feel like, well, we we started learning about it as adults and now it's part of our worlds. So it hasn't really been a part of how we think about raising children in, in many ways because it wasn't something we experienced but it sounds like we really need if not to be constantly vigilant just to be a part of the process yeah yeah well you know we're the first generation of parents to have to do this to have to part of our parenting remit is you know guiding our kids in terms of on you know on-screen content whether it be you know TV, streamed TV or YouTube. So yeah, we don't really know what it's like for kids. Um, And plus, you know, online content is changing so much so quickly and it's becoming more and more part of our lives, you know, every day it feels like. So in order to be able to make decisions, you know, that are good for your kids, good for your family, you're, you're confident they're safe, you're confident that what they're looking at online is, you know, educational, at least good, um, then you need to be on there with them now not all day every day no one can do that we're all like crazy busy um but regularly you know maybe once a week or that kind of thing just sit with your child and and watch the show and one of the nice things is you know you get to just do something with your your child that they like doing you know it's just a shared interest it's like going outside in the backyard and playing soccer you know you mightn't want to do it but you know (laughs) your child really wants you to do it and they're so happy that you're there doing it with them it's the same with watching a Netflix show or watching a YouTube thing, you get to hang out with your child. They'd probably be really super happy that you're there, but you actually get to see the content and you can have a chat about it while you're there. Like not imposing and taking over the show, but you can ask questions or say a comment, you know, a few comments during the show and then have a chat, you know, the next day or, you know, it just goes into your brain, you know, you know what your child's watching and then next time you'll start to see sort of patterns in what they're watching and it'll help you to understand your child as a, you know, screen user 
but also know the content, know what's bad, how you can direct them a bit better, what kind of shows you might want to suggest to them instead. Yeah, you need that information. Mm. Damn, because that stuff they watch on YouTube, I can't stand. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I it's it drives you nuts sometimes, doesn't it? But, you know, it is part of being uh, informed as a parent. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Joanne, thank you for all of that. That's so interesting. Thanks, no problems. That's Dr. Joanne Orlando. She's an expert in uh, digital, the digital world and children, and she has a new online course called Tech Clever Parents. We'll pop a link up to it on our website. Just head to babyology.com.au forward slash feedplaylove. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.